Welcome to Grace Story Podcast. We're here to connect you with education, resources, and community that equip you for the journey of restoration. I'm your host, Nate Davison, and I want to thank you personally for joining us on this episode where we're going to be talking about burnout. Now, before we do that, I want you to head on over to the GraceStoryMinistries.com webpage, and I want you to click the subscribe button. When you do that, you join uh, other Grace Story community members and you gain exclusive access to our Grace Story community page on Facebook. Over there, there's a wide range of topics from many different experts um, and instructors, and that's all archived where you can go back and view it more than once. And uh, you can also interact on there. You can be as active as you want to be and join others in their journey of restoration as well. So head on over to GraceStoryMinistries.com and click subscribe. Now today we have Zach Clark with us. And beginning about at 20 years of age, Zach's expertise and skills were honed as a development consultant serving hundreds of Christian schools, churches, and nonprofit ministry organizations around the country. From 2006 to 2013, Zach served as Director of Advancement at Westminster Christian Academy St. Louis. That's one of our nation's largest independent Christian schools. And while he was there, he built and supported a highly effective team. He was responsible for providing leadership to the overall advancement efforts of the school. And this included uh, developing a $70 million plan and following it through to support the vision and mission of Westminster. Now, I've experienced Zach's teaching uh, at a boot camp that our our group, our Grace Story Ministry Board went to. And Zach, he has a dynamic and energetic teaching style that makes him very much sought after as a public speaker. He was among the first members of the John Maxwell team. That's the world's leading leadership development organization. And he is a John Maxwell certified coach, trainer, and speaker. In 2013, Zach founded Development and Leadership Coaching LLC, a ministry-based company focused on serving leaders of faith-based nonprofit organizations, and that includes Grace Story Ministries. Uh, Beginning with one client in 2013, the company has now served over 100 organizations across North America, most with an annual operating budget of less than $1 million. So Zach is coming to us with expertise. He has a lot going on. He is a very busy man, and I think you're going to enjoy what he has to say about burnout. So Zach, I want to first thank you so much for taking the time to be on the podcast episode we have for today. So thank you so much. And and I just want to jump right in uh, and find out why is this topic important to you? Well, it's my pleasure for being here. Uh, Nate, thank you so much, and uh, really glad to be able to dive into a topic that I'm passionate about. I'd say it's important to me because I'm I'm a person that, if I look back over my life, has had to really learn some things the hard way. You know, I've been given some incredible opportunities starting at a very young age to learn and grow, but at the same time, I've faced uh, some challenges um, and uh, made a lot of mistakes and failed in a lot of ways, uh, as many of us have. And so I would say that this topic's profoundly important to me because burnout has been a pattern in my life that I can see now when I look back, I'm 43 years old now, I, I can look back all the way into um, my, uh, my late teens and see sort of a reoccurring pattern even over a certain cycle of years. And I think it's a pattern uh, in a many others' lives as well, particularly those with a drive to make a difference, 
or to succeed or people with a drive to do a really excellent job, whether that's in, in their work um, or in their marriage or in their family, you know, people who sort of bring a performance mentality to life um, or folks that just face very, you know, carry very significant responsibilities. So I, I, I'm passionate about because, yeah, unfortunately, it's been a pattern uh, for me. So, yeah, that's that's why it's of interest to me. And I, I jumped at the chance to to try to talk uh, about the things that I've learned and continue to learn and grow in. So let's look a little bit deeper there. You're talking about a pattern going way back to your teenage years. You're still a young mm -hmm. man, very driven. Uh, can you tell us more about your personal experience with burnout and what that pattern looked like maybe? Yeah, well, I think it's helpful to keep in mind as we, as we talk about all this too, that burnout is just a word. Uh, so a lot of times it's a word that people might use to just describe emotions that they're feeling or processing. Uh, other times it might be a word that's really describing a certain set of symptoms and behaviors and challenges. So for me, uh, if I look back on, on my life, you know, I uh, had a, it was in a family where we were always uh, busy. We were outdoors, uh, hunting, fishing. We raised Labrador retrievers. My dad owned his own business, was, who was a very hard worker. So um, we had a very, very strong work ethic um, to how we lived, we lived life. And so there was a lot of value in that. For me, though, where it really started showing up and becoming a pattern um, was sort of an unhealthy outcome or unhealthy side of some of my strengths. So I was a musician, uh, started playing piano at nine years old, ultimately went to college to study music um, and went on academic and music scholarships. Um, so I started uh, very young playing piano and studying music for hours at a time. And by the time I went to college, I was spending five hours on the bench just in practice. Um, my parents let me move my piano into my bedroom, padded my walls so I could stay up till midnight practicing and, and preparing. And that's and that five hours a day? Five hours a day practice. Wow. Yeah. And that was before going to college. And I was not a very pleasant person to be around if I did not get my five hours uh, in. And, um, you know, that was, again, that, that's a strength. Uh, a giftedness that may be in a drive that was there. Went into college though, and what I found over time was, you know, and at that, and in college I was spending five hours in practice. That was just practice. So I was often on the bench uh, performing or supporting other musicians, you know, 10 hours a day. That was like, like work. Um, that's not just in classes either. So I closed pretty much closed the practice rooms down, you know, every midnight and, it um, sounds like you're running out of hours in the day right there. I, right. I'm it's trying to add them up. Crazy. Yeah, you think about classes and then being on the pra practicing and then uh, late, late nights and, you know, musician life, shutting down the practice rooms at midnight, going off into a club or a bar or a coffee shop, play until two in the morning. And yeah, and uh, to me, that was just sort of what it looked like to be a musician, be driven. So what began, it took me years to kind of understand this, but what we began at that time was like, okay, I'm doing what I think I'm supposed to be doing, that I've been working and preparing for all my life, and yet I feel pretty miserable, right? And uh, the joy of it just kind of would, over time, just got uh, more and more problematic. 
And it wasn't so much just the work of it, though. It was a lot of other unhealthy things that were patterns that were happening in my life. So I can actually see, you know, this cycle from there. I went to work with my dad. Um, similar, it was really hard work. So at about, it's almost like a five to seven year cycle where I feel like that has crept into my life. Um, but it was on, it wasn't really until the past, um, seven years, I would say cycle where I've identified that and learned how to, uh, recover from it and how to, uh, avoid it to a great, uh, a great deal as well. So. And I know we're going to talk in a minute about, you know, some of those things that you found that have helped you, but maybe what was one of the most unexpected challenges of your, your time uh, in these cycles and how were you able to recognize that, uh, and maybe overcome it? Um, if that makes sense. Sure. Sure. Well, I think that, um, I think that probably the most challenging thing is this nagging feeling of I'm, I'm, I'm doing something productive or I'm doing something meaningful. I'm even doing something I chose to do a work that I chose to do or that I'm passionate about. And yet, um, there, there's no joy in it. Uh, feeling exhausted all of the time, feeling like something's just not quite right. Um, and so to, uh, to be there, uh, in that state, uh, I think is a pretty bad place it, it, when you start feeling that because just identifying the emotions of it and the, and the symptoms, if you will, just can lead to confusion. So I think that's what it looked like over all those cycles is like, I, I know that I'm not feeling good in so many ways. I know that I don't like many of the choices that I'm making. I know that many like Paul, I find in me the very one who wants to do good, you know, that I'm doing these things that I do not want to do, um, behaviors and things like that. And, but I'm confused. I don't understand what's going on in the situation. I just feel like I'm just, you know, just uh, this is what it takes to do this. And, uh, and I'm not really identifying uh, even what's going on in those cycles. And how did that affect your family and your, your friends? Uh, cause you, you're not going through this alone. You still have people that you're connected with. Uh, how did that affect them? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it pro- I think that the common threads, I haven't thought about that in a while. Um, um, other than just more recent in, in our marriage, Paula and I, uh, and our family, I would say that, um, it shows up in several ways, uh, that, that might be helpful to others, um, that they would feel very unsettled because I seem to be unsettled. I don't seem to be, I seem to be working hard, doing a lot, but, uh, an, uh all over the place might be a, a good way to it's just like all over the place. Like he's, he, you're suddenly talking about changing total directions in your life or, or how you're just not, you know, okay. Or feeling happy, uh, simple ways to describe it, uh, is that my ability to love well is compromised, Mm. um, because I don't feel the energy or the stability in my own heart and mind to do that. Um, I think it affects others because I'm failing to keep promises. Uh, whether it's to myself or to others, you know, I, well, I can't do that. Or, yeah, I know I said I would do that, but I can't, I don't feel like I can do that. or don't have the energy to that, or I don't have the time for that. Um, 
you know, I, you know, in those situations would feel very hopeless and hopeless people create hopelessness around them. You know, they're not pleasant to be around. There's, there's no optimism. There's no hope. So those are a few things I think. So I want to go back to something you said and, and, and listening to you, um, it can be hard to identify whether you're burnt out or just really busy because you're a very busy individual. You've got a lot going on. You're running yeah. uh, your business. You you have multiple clients. You're balancing things, uh, using assistance to help you with that as well. So if, how do I recognize if I'm burnt out or just busy? Yeah, I love that question. Uh, I, in fact, I was just talking recently with Paula, my wife, about this just saying, gosh, you know, I'm always going to be driven. I'm always going to be busy. There's again, strengths and how God's created me there. But then there's these, uh, collateral negative impacts of that. If, if I'm not really wise and, and humble. So we were just talking about this recently. Um, I think first of all, burnout, it's important to recognize, you know, again, it could just be a word that people are using to describe how they're feeling at any state. Sort of like if someone says, I feel depressed, there's a difference between someone saying they feel depressed and someone that's deep, clinically, chemically, uh, way off base. So uh, Mayo Clinic has some pretty clear definitions of burnout that I think are helpful. And I'm not a, a doctor or expert by any means. I could just talk about my own practices and experiences, but they, they point out things like, are you feeling cynical or critical, uh, all the time or at work? Do you drag yourself to your work or your volunteerism or your time with family? Do you drag yourself to it, have trouble getting started? Uh, to me, it starts feeling like you're winding a Jack in the box up, you know, more and more every day. Um, are you irritable and patient, um, lacking energy, lacking any satisfaction are you just disillusioned some of what i'm describing that's a good word for it just disillusion for me uh it's like everything just starts feeling very pointless mm. you know you can't see the good things and again some of these things if you think about it um go hand in hand with what can become real depression as well um are you using food or alcohol or drugs to feel better um are you, do you have like weird complaints, you know, headaches? Uh, I had migraines quite a bit. I actually had a, a significant uh, physical infection that I had to have surgery wow. for multiple times uh, that was just completely unexplainable uh, and, uh, and uh, pretty frightening. Um, so those are all sort of, I think, very helpful ways that all of us could relate to, but if that's become the norm, that really, you really may be in sort of this chemical burnout uh, state. So your question to specifically though, I love like, well, what's the difference? And I think the difference is um, that sense of what I'm experiencing at a heart level that I just, I, if I'm, if I'm honest with myself, I'm not loving well, I'm feeling very hopeless. I dread is a good word too. I feel like if I deep down, if I dig down in my heart today to be ready for this interview with you and my fear is that there's nothing there, I'm going to reach in the well and the well's dry. That's, that's burnout. Right. And that didn't happen today. Thankfully I'm glad (laughs) I'm delighted to be talking with you, 
But uh, man, when I'm in that, if I'm in that place, um, there's a dread and a fear that I just simply, I'm going to reach down and nothing's going to be there because it's all literally burnt out. Now, busy, um, busy, I think is that's intensity. There's a lot going on. Overwhelm can certainly creep in, but you go, okay, I'm overwhelmed. How do I manage that? Um, I could be busy because my priorities are out of whack, but I could be busy because my priorities are perfectly in alignment and there's an intensity required. The demands are intense, but I'm focused. I'm making intentional decisions. I think that's the difference there. So busy, I kind of think about like busy can be a result of good choices or uh, and good alignment of priorities or not. And then, but burnout, that's moved from busy to this constant state where you're just, and again, I think it's a good way to think about a well. Like I keep bringing up well from the water and now the wells run dry. One thing I'm hearing reoccurring um, that must probably take place is uh, self-reflection making time for self-reflection. It seems like you could go easily from busy to burn out and not even know it uh, if you don't set aside. That's something I'm working on personally is setting aside self-reflection time. It seems like a waste of time as you're sitting there seemingly doing nothing but just (laughs) reflecting back on the last day, hour, week. um, Where was I? Where am I? What are my goals? Uh, Have you had time times like those uh, where you set back uh, in those cycles, you're talking about the cycles, the seven year Mm -hmm. cycles. Um, Was it a time of self-reflection that made you recognize that? Or was it someone else coming into your life? That was like, Hey, um, you know, you need X, Y, and Z I'm seeing. What was it that made you recognize that with each cycle? Uh, I would, unfortunately, in my case, I think it usually led to a crisis point. Um, so if I were to continue to live in those cycles, what I would be doing at some point would be hitting a wall and that wall would either be, I can no longer do this anymore, right? This work or this friendship or uh, this uh, job or or whatever. And so I need to change, or it could be, uh, I hit a wall because I'm literally sick. Um, and, uh, you have a, some sort of debilitating illness for a while. Um, it could be hitting a wall and that, um, that I've, uh, failed too many times in a relationship and hurt a friend or hurt a family member. And they're, they're calling me out on that, uh, as well. So I think that that's the real, uh, you know, unfortunately it took that, that was sort of the way to begin to identify the patterns. Like, why do I keep hitting this, this wall that then results in, damage or failing or shame on my part or discouragement or hurt for others or just wanting to be done. Um, I, I think when, you know, when it's someone who's intelligent does things they know are not helpful to themselves or others, there has, there, that's the time for reflection uh, to say, cause people can't just tell you why you're doing it. You have to think that through. So that's, uh, I think, uh, and that, you know, where unfortunately, if those cycles continued in my life, that's what that would look like. So the question became for me, how do you recover from that? And then how do I avoid that in the future without losing 
which I think, which is a silly fear that I had, but it's like, but I don't want to stop being me, you know, uh, is there nothing good in me, right? Do I really have to give up all these things? Those were all emotions that I kind of th- had to think through. So one thing I want to, I want to kind of clarify. And, and the question I have is, is burnout unavoidable? And if not, is it just something that's going to happen in my life? If it is avoidable, what can I put up in my life to kind of not get there? Um, Because you talk about, hey, you know, in my life, it reached this crisis point, seemingly unavoidable. But then, you know, you also say, I got to this point in my life where now um, I'm not just recovering, but I'm avoiding it. So how how do I avoid it? Or is it unavoidable? I guess is my question. Uh, I absolutely believe it's unavoidable. Uh, I do think that there are uh, seasons of profound challenge that will come in life. Okay. Um, your ability to respond to those and navigate those doesn't always have to result in burnout or hitting that kind of wall. Um, again, I think we're talking about a continuum, sort of a journey where I start out busy and everything's great and exciting and there's all this adrenaline, but then I keep trying to live there and keep going and going and going and going and going. So I, you may, I think avoiding is sort of identifying when those unhealthy patterns are starting to take place. Um, how to avoid it, if that's what you're asking. Sure. Yeah. How to avoid it for me, uh, means that I try to quickly identify where are there undone things in my life? Um, I, I really believe that deep down when, once you've, even if you haven't consciously identified when deep down, you know, there is something I'm supposed to do for my job or do in my family or do in my marriage um, because it's true and it's right. Um, and you avoid doing that. It's left undone. That I think create is a beginning of, of sort of a cycle um, that uh, can really be dangerous. So you avoid, I think uh, that, I mean, we could talk, we could do a whole interview just on avoiding burnout, but I think that number one, I try to see where am I missing promises to myself? Where is work or choices being undone that, um, you know, we, I can so easily self-deceive myself, you know, and that, well, I'll do that tomorrow. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll uh, this. Um, and then ultimately you have to have systems. Uh, that you just can't think. It's not just reflection. Reflection's part of your system. You can't think yourself out of this problem because you didn't think yourself into the problem. You did yourself into it, right? You took action constantly. And so systems, uh, what I would call systems for success, uh, there's disciplines, uh, rhythms. Uh, some people will will say to me, wow, I really admire how disciplined you are about some of these things. And I, I always share with them, I appreciate you saying that. I personally don't feel inside like a disciplined person. Uh, I don't feel like an organized person. I don't feel like a person that's very structured in how he uses his time. But what I will say is that I've gotten really, really good at a lot of tricks for myself that outside of me probably do look like discipline. Tricks for um, managing my energy, managing my schedule, uh, tricks for that reflection time, uh, writing and thinking, um, and then, uh, things that create energy as well. So, so one thing I've learned during this, um, this time of 
quarantine and, you know, reaching out on social media or um, <clears throat> interacting with people on Zoom. There's been a lot of time to just talk to people. And I'm realizing a lot these days that people are very, very weird along with me. Like the things that I thought were weird about myself, everyone is experiencing those th same things <laughs> and dealing with them in their own way. Um, right. And it sounds like that's kind of what you're saying. Hey, I, I look on the outside like X, Y, and Z, but it's been a lot of work to get to a point where I have framework and, and, and a guide for myself so I don't fall back into traps that I have had reoccurring through my entire life. Yes, yes. And the first one for me, I think, relates to recovery. Because remember I said, I think, you know, how do you avoid it? And then how do you recover? Um, and recovery is a part of the system, uh, part of avoiding it, part of, you know, coming out of it. And uh, what I mean by recovery in this sense is that the simplest way for me to describe it is that I, I tell people all the time, I don't do well at resting. Right. And so the worst thing you can say usually to someone who is truly at that place of burnout is, well, just stop, stop doing stuff or stop, you know, just stop it. Right. Um, sitting and doing nothing uh, for me will not uh, do anything. Just saying, well, sleep more. That, that doesn't that doesn't do anything. Right. So I, I, ha I have to have a recovery plan. I actually think most people are this way. You can't just say, I want to recover. How do I avoid to have a recovery uh, plan? Uh, for me, a recovery plan has things that help me feel a little bit better. Because remember, one of the dangers is you're looking for things that are going to make you feel a lot right. better. Right. So what's uh, something that makes you feel a little bit better? So if it's a, it makes you feel a lot better, it might not be good. So a little bit better. Um, what are things that fill me up? And what are the things that actually drain me? I need to know the difference of those. And then what are actions constantly that I'm taking, even on a weekly basis? So like a little bit better for me, that's like listening to music or taking a short walk or having a cup of tea or intense exercise, reading. So that doesn't have to be yours. But I mean, like these are things that I know help me feel a little bit better. And then what are things that fill me? Well, time with mentors and leaders, like talking with you, where I'm learning and being challenged by questions or um, journaling, I know adds energy from thinking and writing my thoughts so I can look at them outside of me and twist them around. And then things that drain me, uh, my team always laughs, mediocre people is number one on my list. You know, someone that just, it, they're, they're not, they don't want to grow. They want to complain. They, they don't want to learn. They're not teachable. Um, yard work until the pandemic haircuts. Like I, mm. I it's like, complete waste of time and energy. I hate getting hair. Now I'm so grateful to be able to go get a haircut, right? Interesting. Uh, after the, the, uh, shelter in place wars, going to doctors, social networking, those are all drains. So some of those things have to be done. So knowing that that's part of my plan each week in recovery, if I'm having things that are draining me, how am I going to do things that are adding energy? And then weekly actions, you know, an hour for exercise, I limit social media, I limit uh, email, scheduling time for fun. Uh, it's not, oh, I need more, I have to schedule that. So I tell people all the time, I work at resting. That's the way I have to kind of think about it in terms of that recovery. I can't just say, okay, I'm going to get better at all these other things. No, here's a plan that I'm going to work at. I'm going to bring this strength that I have for drive, but I'm going to apply that drive 
to things that heal me and, uh, and grow me. And my confession to you at 43 years old, after what, a 10 year journey of this now, is that most days, all of that still feels selfish. And that's one of the hardest things that I've had to identify and overcome is that even if it feels selfish to devote an hour on my own to exercise every day, I'm not doing that just for me. I'm doing that to be able and capable to handle the stresses of life that come at me so I can love and serve other people. The most selfish thing I can do is not recover, not deal with these things, not grow stronger, because then I'm not capable of loving others well serving others well does that make sense it it does it's so interesting too to to think of that in a selfish way because on the outside looking in it's like yeah that that's normal human behavior you should be doing these things if it if it's good but it all the things you mentioned are not something you should feel selfish about the selfish things would be go out and you know buy that bottle of whiskey because it makes you feel good or go to that movie that you shouldn't go to because it makes you feel good or fill in the blank. Um, those big things that give you a big push and like, ah, yes, I'm good to go now. Um, it's much more difficult from what you're saying to do the small things, the little things that can give you that boost. And also you can do some of those things with your family too. Um, so yeah, yeah, building those relationships. So it sounds like you're saying having an intentional self-care plan is important not only for recovery but for mitigation as well so it's all kind of encapsulated into one thing if i'm hearing you correctly yeah i think that um you're right you've got to like how do you heal from from this challenge and then how do you avoid it in the future i think that what you just said if i could put one add one point to what you just said you said you know should maybe shouldn't feel selfish Uh, about it. I think that it's not a should or shouldn't that you may ultimately uh, feel that um, I don't have time for exercise because I have these depend, these people depending on me. I don't have time or money to make, to learn and make uh, changes to my nutrition. and I'm only one of a family of five and they're all going to eat other ways too. That seems selfish. Right. So, um, uh, for me, what I had to kind of learn was that my feelings aren't being, aren't necessarily true on this, that it's not that the motivation, why I'm doing it isn't solely for me to feel better. It's for me to, to live better. And I think in scripture, um, you know, we can see that in it, particularly in, in the life of Christ, where he, he was open about tremendous pressures and expectations that came against him. He said in Luke, I have a baptism to undergo and how distressed, how stressed, how Seneca was the Greek word there, pressed in, distressed, pulled apart. I am until it's accomplished. In Luke 5, it says he, Jesus himself would often slip away to the wilderness and pray. Think about that. Mm-hmm. He's able to heal people. He's teaching people. All he's doing, he just slip away, go pray. Seems rather selfish when I have my child here that could be healed for all this work that we could do. He was in, it says in Mark, he was in the stern of the boat asleep on the cushion and they woke him up and said to him, right. teacher, do you not even care that we're perishing? You know, you're sleeping while we're in this storm. That had to have looked selfish. 
right? And then perceiving that they were intending to come take him by force to make him king, withdrew again to the mountain by himself alone. So I had to really look and see that there's these behaviors. He was operating on a different set of standards and responses to these things pulling that externally may have really looked selfish to others. That's that's a very, very intriguing perception of another challenge. People may look at what I'm doing that I need to do for self-care and see it as selfish as well. Um, or, or question all kinds of motivations you might sure. have, right? Wow. Yeah. So one yeah. thing people talk about um, in life, in stressful situations, is this buzzword resilience. Yeah. Uh, it, can you tell me in your experience, what is resilience? Is it something I can learn? Is it something I need? What is resilience and, and, and how do I get it if I don't already have it? <laughs> that is an, uh, that's an awesome thing to think about. Um, so one of the things I learned along the way is again, stress is this word, very commonly used word. There's actually two things. There's stress that comes against you, pressures you, strains you, often can be seen as negative. And then there's another word we don't use very often at all called eustress, E-U-S-T-R-E-S-S. Eustress is a stress that is fundamentally healthy and helping you. So exercising would be an example of eustress. You're putting your body under stress and strain, and you can do it improperly and stress and strain and, and create a major problem. But ultimately, most exercise done well training is eustress. So I think what I see when I look at our culture around us right now is it's going through one not arguably the most significant challenge to our generation. Sure. I've never seen in anyone's lifetime. Sure. This is the challenge of difficult times. And so difficult times when they come into your life expose or can expose areas that we can grow. And instead what many, many, many people are doing understandably is uh, it's just hard. It's just difficult. They're struggling. But I think that uh, all of us have faced that, but wisdom and growth is to say, Lord, what are you teaching me? What are the gaps? I didn't, I didn't know my spiritual disciplines aren't as strong as I thought, right? My trust in you feels weaker. I'm not as strong physically as I thought. Uh, I don't have the discipline in my eating that I thought. I don't have the energy that I thought I had for these the intense emotions that are coming, right? That's not because there's something wrong with you that you didn't realize. It's that the challenges are so much more significant and it's showing you these gaps. So it's how you respond under pressure that reveals your level of preparation. And that's nothing to be ashamed about. But, you know, anyone can operate with a level of stability and health and, and uh, love and grace in a normal day. It's how do we react when the pressure that we didn't expect or that feels far beyond us, that's what refines us. And we know that in the economy of God, as a Christian, I can say we know God's always got the same desire for us individually, which is mm -hmm. he's trying to grow and shape us into the image of his son. Yes. So the suffering that we've chased in these struggles. So when you talk about resilience, I believe absolutely it can be learned. 
because his desire is to complete what he's begun in us. And so when we feel those gaps, it's, Lord, I don't want to have to go through this. I don't want to be under this kind of pressure, but I am. And uh, I turn to Paul and look at his, when he gives this old litany of dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, you know, three times shipwrecked, despairing of life, right? Be, you know, we consider ourselves even dead, that under a sentence of death, he talks about, right? And um, there are those times in life where those pressures are going to come. So the resilience is, am I, as I go through these experiences, am I growing and changing and learning? And then in my normal daily life, when things aren't constantly like that, what's my level of training and preparation and growth in the best of times? So with that, um, it, it's a great segue into my next question for you, which is um, what are the resources you have used uh, and would recommend to our listeners for uh, either mitigation of, of burnout or um, what, what are your resources? Oh, man. Um, <laughs> to me, this is a lifestyle. So um, I'm constantly trying to learn and grow in this area and look at who who can I learn from as well. A few that come to mind, though, immediately is uh, a book that's sort of a classic in the um, alcoholism recovery um, world. Uh, I'm not an alcoholic or recovering alcoholic, but the book, the way of thinking is profoundly helpful. Uh, it's called codependent no more by Melody Beatty. So that book had a profound impact on me, um, in terms of just realizing that there is a, uh, cycles and systems and relationships that I am not seeing clearly. Um, and dealing with that again, what, what's my motivation? Why do some of these things feel selfish? Um, why does me helping others in my family or other, no matter what, create a burnout? What's going on there? Another one is a book more for leaders, business leaders, but it's The Power of Full Engagement by ben, Jim Lair and Tony Schwartz. Um, that one gives a whole, for me, was a whole big picture of like, uh, what does it look like to create a whole plan or lifestyle where you're managing your energy rather than your time? Mm. Um, Younger Next Year by Chris Crowley, even though it's written for people in the second half of their life or even during a retirement uh, age, was profound in, in um, how I thought about nutrition and exercise being key to preparedness for stresses of life. And then last one, I hope this doesn't sound trite, brother, but um, it's really easy to quote scripture, to teach and learn and read scripture. Um, but one, the most fundamental thing that I missed for years was learning to examine scripture as not just an intellectual reading or spiritual or ethereal thing, but looking at the physical behaviors involved. Hmm. So if you look, what did Jesus physically do? Not just what did he say and what miracle, what did he physically do with his time? Um, looking at Paul's descriptions and how physical his language is, um, 
realizing that you can't take communion as an example, you can't, you can't remember the Lord's Supper, that can't be done intellectually or in your head. Imagine you have to physically eat the bread, physically drink the wine. Um, baptism, you've got to physically get wet, right? Um, learning to look at scripture that way really helped me because I think a lot of these things were in my head rather than changing my actual actions and behaviors. That's, so those are a few resources. That's one crazy thing about scripture to me, and it doesn't feel trite at all, is the more I get to know people, uh, the way they look at scripture uh, is completely different in a lot of ways. And while you're noticing actions, someone else is noticing, uh, you know, where they went and another person mm -hmm. is really intrigued by the numbers of people that were here and yeah. there. And, and it's the depth of his word. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's endless and you can study it a, a lot of different ways. One more question that, for you. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to, I was going to just give one more piece of detail on that. Cause when you said resources, I immediately jumped to like books or things that, that were impactful for me, but a few just very practical things that are deceptively simple. Uh, one would be, you know, have a recovery plan and it can just be as simple as writing the things that help that, you know, are healthy and helpful for you. Uh, training, um, nutrition, zero sugar or limiting it. Those would be things that, um, if you're just looking for a quick, uh, practical, um, Sharing emotions I may not understand yet. Um, I never really mm. saw myself as a man who couldn't talk about his emotions. But what I found is by the time I was talking about them, I was sort of had, I'd had enough. I was sort of like at that wall. Sure. And so to realize that the reason I wasn't talking about emotions, sometimes I didn't even understand them. So to be able to say to my wife or even a close trusted friend, um, hey, let me just talk about some of the things I'm trying to process. I don't even understand what's mm. going on. Um, that was key. And then, um, sharing my thoughts with someone just to have them known. And for me, that's my wife. Uh, I would encourage you if you're not married, um, it needs to be someone extremely safe. That's not of the opposite sex, sure. but to be able to say, Hey, I just need to know that someone on the planet, I've said this so many times, my wife, I just need to know that someone on the planet has heard me kind of talk about what I'm thinking here. I don't need a thought or reaction or advice, just need to be you for you to know. Um, and then you mentioned journaling, writing out, uh, writing out my thoughts, prayers, gratefulness, those sorts of things that are nothing new, but try, try living it every day for years. That's the challenge. Sure. Right? No, thank you for bringing us back to that. Cause those are perfect next steps. We really like to, as much as possible, leave people with a on the episode, mm. some next steps, and uh, they can get some of that. You guys that are listening in can get uh, some of those, the journaling or sharing in a safe place um, with Grace Story over the community page. Um, just subscribe at uh, gracestoryministries.com. Zach, I want to leave with one question. Um, if you could tell our listeners just one thing about what we've talked to today, um, something you want them to really remember, um, what would that be? Uh, it, I would say that it's hard to overestimate or overstate how limited our control and influence really is over the external powers of the world and how they come against us as individuals. Really hard to overstate or exaggerate that. But I would say I think it's also 
and I've found this to be true, it's also completely impossible to overstate the grace that God can give us as we identify and take steps that bring our thoughts and our emotions and our bodies into alignment with him and then doing the next wise thing. And uh, I just can't overstate God's grace in that moment of despite how I feel, I'm going to move and I'm going to do the next wise thing. And that's going to move me forward in this battle or it's going to move me forward in the recovery from the battle. Wow. I love that. Um, you know, you've said a lot of things and we've said it a couple times on this episode already that um, we could spend a lot of time on this or that. I think we're going to need to have you back on a future episode <laughs> to break down some of these things. It sounds like we've just done an overview of burnout um, and mitigation of burnout uh, and well, self-care. I give you all the credit on that, Nate. You've asked such huge questions. So it's a blessing that you would think there's some value here. I hope there is to others, but uh, leave it to you to ask great questions. Pick a topic less time that I don't have as much passion for, <laughs> or maybe one that I haven't made so many mistakes in, and uh, that could be shorter. <laughs> so Well, it sounds like we'll have you back, and, and thank you so much for, for coming on this episode. We really do appreciate it. And of course, we want to say a big thank you to each of you who are listening in today. Uh, we hope that you'll tune in again in a couple of weeks. We're going to have Madeline Chesney. She's a doctorate of nursing practice coming on the show. And she's going to be talking to us about resilience in healthcare for healthcare workers. So we hope that you'll tune in then. And, and again, head on over to that uh, webpage, graystoryministries.com and subscribe. We'll see you next time.